0: That made me think of Nazarene. Do you know Naz? That's like that. Uh, That's a big one, yeah. Where you can't dance. You can't dance. And so I went to a a, a concert, uh, and it's uh, at a Nazarene College close to San Diego. Christian show, MXPX was playing, a bunch of other bands, and uh, you can't dance. You couldn't dance. It's like <laughs> you'd start like moshing or whatever, and the, there'd be all these guards like, stop, stop, stop. You can't like, because that just. These Nazarenes, they're like, and no dancing, you know, and it's like, all right.
1: Hello, and welcome to Growing Up Christian. I'm Casey. And I'm Sam. And uh, we were sitting here getting ready. We had a reschedule with the guests and stuff. We're chatting about just podcast stuff. And, you know, there's a pretty big community of podcasters, a lot of which that we've met have been really cool. You know, people like uh, Existential Ginger or uh, Steven from Ravel or uh, just a bunch of Micah, you know, in his podcast, a bunch of really cool people. And, you know, as a part of this whole podcasting, it's kind of a constant guest exchange, right? You come do our podcast, you know, if you want us to do your podcast in the the future, you can do that. Um, We did have one such experience that just didn't, it didn't work out. (laughs) And we kind of sat on the story for a while because uh, we were thinking at some point this episode might get published.
2: Right, because that's what happens when you record episodes with people and take up two hours of your time, that it will most definitely be released.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, especially when you're requested to be on the show. So we did a show, I think it was the beginning of May. So what's that, four months ago? God, was it that long ago now? It was four months ago.
2: And the this, this show had a sporadic release schedule, so they might do like every two weeks, I mean, sometimes maybe on like the every like third week. It wasn't super, it wasn't like a weekly podcast. So like with it not coming out, you, you keep checking and you're like, Oh, I don't know. Maybe they had like three or so ahead. So maybe now we're looking at a few, like a, maybe like 12 weeks out or something, like maybe nine weeks out or something.
1: And th- th- so this show, it was like three or four friends who, I mean, it was, uh, uh, uh there was a lady that ran the show, it seemed like, and her significant other. And then there was another, it was three, right? It was three people? Yeah, yeah. Are we going to just say the name? Sure. Okay, this show is called Speculate With Us. And we linked up with them on Discord. <laughs> so I had posted about our show in a Discord group that's specifically for podcasters and people share their their shows and things. And I got a message from this, this woman and said, Hey, we would. You should come on our show and and be a guest. Um, it seemed very like somewhat formal. Like they had a pretty good uh, system in place for getting guests involved and stuff. They had a list of topics that they wanted to talk about, and you could kind of like jump on it. We were specifically requested to talk about the Second Amendment. Yep. And this was right around the time that we had had uh, Shane Claiborne on. Yeah, if you remember that episode, so we were kind of primed and ready for it. I mean, I'm always primed and ready to talk about guns. Sam was like,
2: "Ah, we're gonna talk
1: about guns again."
2: <laughs> yeah, in a room where um, I, it became pretty clear early on that I was the odd one for sure.
1: And this is not okay. I will. I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. This was a very opinionated room that was yeah. not really. Based in facts. It was a lot of like. Uh, speculation. Speculation. That was most of what was happening. And it was a lot of the traditional examples about like, you know, you get to talking about uh, gun laws, right? Should we have a law about whether or not a person who's been arrested for domestic violence can go buy a firearm, you know, or within a, a certain period of time or whatever. And the yeah. the way that those arguments always devolve. Is you start talking about specifics of legislation, like maybe this would be a good idea, maybe this would keep people safe, especially these, you know, this vulnerable group of people that seems to be targeted by this type of a person. And it always ends up being like, Well, you know, if you take away all the guns, you know, you're gonna yeah. end up like like Paul Pot's regime in Cambodia, and everybody's gonna die. <laughs> and that's why you can't take away all the guns. And like, yeah, what nobody's talking about taking away all the guns okay let's just we're going to get that off the table now so that we can just talk about specifics here would this be a good idea and it continually just reverted back to these arguments with one guy in particular that had a lot of opinions and uh it was was,
2: his feathers got a little ruffled at the start because i look obviously i'm not the gun enthusiast that kate is um (laughs) And I've, I've I've probably stated this opinion before, but like, I don't care that Casey has them because I'm not worried about Casey. Uh, I do have concerns that access to them it will allow for people who shouldn't have access to them to to get it. Um, and. I did probably ruffle some feathers when I said, I personally don't give a shit if uh, you don't get to have guns. That's not really a problem for me if you don't have guns. <laughs> so I don't think I started out on a high note, uh, <laughs> but I was like, I'm already like the dissenting voice in this group. Everyone's clearly cool with guns, like uh, more uh, at an uncomfortable level for me. So I, I, I threw in those grenades that, you know, are just, oh, oh, what, Oh, what, you just, like, well, you know, the reaction is just going to cause them to short circuit a little bit because it's funny. And I had I don't know. What what, what did I have to lose uh, on this podcast? I think I think that was like a proof
1: of concept moment for our dynamic. Yeah, because <laughs> you and I disagree on a lot of things in that issue. And I thought you were magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you went off a couple of times. It just got real belligerent. You know, not <laughs> exaggerate. You know, you're not saying anything that's not correct or anything that you don't believe. But you know, yeah. you were you poked the bear, yeah, a yeah, little yeah. bit, <laughs> <laughs> and it was fantastic. I loved it. <laughs> and every time, you know, so these arguments, they just went around and around and around. And the whole time this guy who, you know, we had listened to a couple episodes, this guy runs over guests. That's what he does, right? He gets somebody on, he has a stated opinion. As soon as they start dissenting or or taking things in another direction, this guy would just pile drive them and just overwhelm them. He's like 100% confident in everything he says, you know, just leaves no room for, for the guest to make an argument. And when he and when they do, he leads it off into, a, into the bushes, you know? And we were we were just like so ready for those objections from coming off of the one for Clay. The, which the episode with Shane was really simple. I thought it was a really like yeah. reasonable discussion. Oh yeah. But do we just I mean every time he tried to throw one of those things in, you know, this red herring to pull us off the trail. Yeah,
2: the big one was um, when people look like the common vernacular. People use the word assault rifle, uh. and so he instead of just taking it at face value that people are using shorthand in common vernacular to get a point across, it was like he he went down that whole like, well, actually. It's not really uh, the, what's the difference between an assault rifle and a, what a hunting rifle? I don't know. And then he shows you he he holds up some guns and bullets and shit like that and tries to tell you that it's really all the same and that there's no difference. and it's like, yeah, okay. Yeah, there's no difference because they all have uh, a little bit of gunpowder and a little uh, bullet in a brass casing that goes in the shooty thing, and then they all shoot stuff. Like, yeah, they're all guns, but there is a difference in in the amount of people you can kill in a short period of time, and that's the conversation at hand. So to derail it and have a conversation about bullet size and whether or not they explode inside of you or uh, go right through you, who gives a fuck about that? Yeah, it's it's, wild. Well, and and – (laughs) <laughs> Every, everybody who's
1: been around like gun enthusiasts, like I have I'm a big, you know, gun enthusiast. I mean, I'm not super big on all the like tactical stuff, but I like old shotguns and old, you know, antique rifles and things. And like, yeah. but I, I really get sick of like gun culture. Because it's Mm -hmm. full of this type of thing. Like you're trying to have a discussion about something, and here comes the guy and he's like, Assault rifle is a is a a meaningless term that's meant to just you know lead people off the trail and it's actually no different. And he starts, he goes, Hang on, I'm gonna go get something real quick. So he comes back and you know, if you've been around guns much, he's got a 22 long rifle shell in one hand and a 23 shell in the other hand, and he starts doing this. These are both 22 caliber bullets. This is and we're like Dude, I know. I know what that is. I know what that is. That I has nothing to do with this discussion. That's why it's- I was
2: glad you knew, because I'm like, I don't I don't have any follow-ups here. I mean, this means nothing to me. I, I He wasn't speaking my language at all. Uh, but it felt like a disingenuous argument to prove I'm not even sure what. Anyway, continue. Sorry.
1: Yeah, so it was just like one situation after another. You try to go down those same rabbit holes, and we just kind of stomped on his pecker
3: (laughs) and and the (laughs) other
1: two people were pretty cool. Like they were, they were nice. It was really mostly just this one guy who was belligerent. And I mean, we, we, like we did, we spent like two hours talking about this stuff and, uh, you know, finished it out and we kind of debriefed afterwards. Like, well, I mean, Nick got a little heated, but I feel like it was okay. I think that's what they were looking for and stuff. And then we waited <laughs> and a week went by, nothing. Couple weeks, a month, 2 months. Here we are 4 months later. The episode's not coming out. coming out. I don't think it's
2: coming out. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not coming out. I want I so I, we we should send him a message though. i would be like, "When's that episode getting posted? I was really excited to share it with people." Hey, we were just talking about you guys. <laughs>
3: yeah. <laughs>
2: I know. I'm guessing they don't really listen to this, uh, that it was just kind of a one-off, like they found you on that cool discord and was like, oh, that sounds like an interesting dynamic to bring into a conversation. I don't know if there was like an assumption with the term Christian in our podcast name that they would, um, that we would have had particular feelings about it. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I, I wasn't sure why they wanted us to have that conversation. Uh, I would think they'd want to have a conversation about something along the lines of like, is religion harmful or does God exist? I don't know. Something more along the lines of our, what we're doing here. Uh, so when it was two way, I was just like, oh my. I'm a little out of my element. I mean, I have my, I have some beliefs about it. I've, I understand more than I could repeat back into, and uh, in sound intelligent. Like when I hear, People like Shane talk about their piece or, you know, I mean, I, I've heard enough where I'm like, I, I formulate an opinion, but if you ask me to regurgitate all the information I've based that opinion on, I might not look that smart, um, but I didn't look that dumb on that episode, but you will never know. No one will ever hear it, I guess. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> I could have actually been the biggest <laughs> asshole in the room and we could just make all of this up. So that may the right amount, push them to uh, maybe this will push them to release it. We'll share this episode with them. Uh, maybe people should go at no. Please don't. <laughs> yeah, don't don't do that. Don't do that.
1: <laughs> but if you want an example of what we were talking about, they have an episode on atheism that wasn't that far back in the rotation. And if you listen to a couple minutes of that, you'll know
2: the guy we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! So, uh, now that we've shit on uh, another podcast, <laughs> I feel like a bit of a dick, but. Well, yeah.
3: I didn't shit on the podcast
2: as a whole. Just the conversation. Just the guy. Just the guy. Just the guy. Just the episode and the way that I I think we're mostly just like, how the fuck are you not going to put that out? That was fine. Like, why wouldn't you release it? I think that's what's more, that's why we're even talking about it. Like, if they released it, we would have directed people to it and never thought about it or spoke of it again. Right. (laughs)
1: Yeah. Release the documents. Yeah. (laughs) I got the evidence right here. (laughs)
2: <laughs> in other news uh this really cool thing happened this week casey i think you might have just kind of caught up on it today maybe it just happened today it was either today, oh, yeah. or yesterday or some shit uh shit. there's this really cool guy uh who's circulating the internet named uh logan van dorn not sure if anyone's familiar with him but you are you're definitely familiar with him he uh he harassed like a group of just turned 18 year old girls on a beach for wearing bikinis. So, uh, he's a fun one.
1: What are you supposed to do when you fill with the spirit with, with righteous anger?
2: Yeah. And that's what it was like a belligerent, like, so he was the, I mean, his, his side of the story is cause we only know it because he released a TikTok about it as, um, he's at this lake with his family, his fiance, uh, I guess what might be his kid. Uh, but it was basically like, he was like, kept saying over and over again, it was like a seven year old, a nine year old, you know, th- seeing them in those, in those bikinis was just really inappropriate. That's not something Whoa. that was okay for a nine year old to see. And it
1: it's funny because the, the piece that I saw was the, the intro to it was, I was coming back from wherever and my family was picking up their stuff saying, we have to move because there's these girls here and they're dressed inappropriate. Yeah,
2: like I was coming back from jerking off in the outhouse in the parking lot. <laughs>
1: <laughs> just looking at people's feet under the, the changing <laughs> changing blanket. He's <laughs> just doing adoption, you know?
3: <laughs>
1: so yeah, this guy took it upon himself to you know show these girls the error of their way uh, these young women he 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 wanted them to know that their bodies would never satisfy them and yeah. that you know obviously the only reason they were wearing bikinis was because they're trying to prove that they're pretty enough and they're he never going it like to pornogra- feel
2: he called it like pornographic whether it's basically it's pornography on the beach and shit
1: yeah ugh. God, going up to a group of like teenage girls and telling them that they remind you of porn.
2: Not even knowing how old they are, dude. They easily could, they could have easily been under 18. Like, fuck off, you weird pervert. Yeah. I, the whole
1: thing was insane. I mean, you, you're watching the video, and what's, what's crazy about it, and I think why, uh, why it makes you so angry is because, like, you know, I, we recognize the language, yeah, oh you yeah, know, I don't know that even in my most stuffy and obnoxious christian phase if i I don't think I would ever have gone up to just random strangers to tell them I didn't like what they were wearing or that it was that it was inappropriate or whatever, you know,
2: yeah, it's no just kidding. it's it's insane, it doesn't. <laughs>
0: But <laughs> let's shocking. not
2: pretend like those conversations about what was appropriate for women to wear didn't happen on a dorm room full of men. That's oh like, yeah. How, like, so when you say the language was familiar, it, I mean, even I mean, it's familiar if you grew up in youth group. It's like oh, if you oh you any youth group beach day is like you can't. You can't wear a bikini to the beach. You- <laughs> Casey, I cannot laugh at this. Casey always insists on- I'm dreaming. sorry. <laughs> Fucking steel water bottle full of ice every time <laughs> we podcast. I'm going to cut it out and then you're just going to look like a douche. No, you won't. Because you can hear it on so many of our episodes if you're paying attention. And uh, anyway, that's what you just heard. Casey, you shouldn't edit it out. And I can that. I and will. I will be better. <laughs> I I will strive to be better. Uh, but oh yeah. Anyway, the language was like, you. It's just familiar. You know, beach day for youth groups. It's like always. Like if you wear a bikini, you have to wear a t shirt over it, or you have to wear a one piece or a modest tankini. Is like they would always say, and um, you know, there was all that stumbling block language. And there is something inch. I think what's interesting about a guy like him going out of his way to tell these people that is is he more committed like is that like a weird uh, almost like i mean it's a diluted level of commitment like that's the thing like there's that dissonance where like we we would have used similar language and might have thought that but we still had the faculties to say uh, the mental faculties to say oh this clearly like it's not something you would say two people or you would write it off as like they're lost uh and you know those words aren't gonna that's not the way to go about changing hearts um that what he did is like the equivalent of handing out tracks in a street preacher where you could say like well they're i mean they're out there saying what they think is the truth and ironically if you go through with instagram he has a lot of bullshit posts about like saying the truth and love uh he just said oh that's that's a favorite phrase isn't it yeah but when you are, when you think that is the truth, and you think that, like, uh, you know, when when they're already being dangled over a fucking fiery pit, well, there's not a lot to lose by. Like, he left that situation, and they're still just hanging over the fiery pit. Like, I mean, nothing changed uh, when he's looking at things from that perspective. So,
1: yeah, and I think. I think what it is is what it comes down to is not that this guy is more committed or more concerned or any of the things that he would say or consider himself. Like he's an exhibitionist. Like this is a performance. It's something that, and if you look at his, his social media and stuff, like so performing for people out there, like this guy obviously wants to be like the Christian tiktoker and stuff like Like that
2: steven furtick for a tiktok like it's like him all yoked at the gym with like a bathroom selfie being like just out here praising jesus love me some jesus he saved me from my sins and you're like it's like to god be the glory nothing for me i'm just a vessel and it's like dude fuck off you're so full of shit and you can't even see it yeah yeah i watched one of him like
1: doing a bunch of like basketball dribble moves and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden he picks it up and he's like, did you know that there's a God out there that loves (laughs) you? And you're just like, what is this? This is bizarre. You know? Yeah. (laughs) It's so strange, but I think so. Okay. So I think that like him approaching strangers about that, it's it's an exhibition. It's a performance. They get to be a part of his performance, which is for his family or his fiance or his his TikTok audience or whatever it was, right? For his God. He was,
2: He's doing it all for God. I don't know. He did not even believe in God. He doesn't perform for man. <laughs> At the end of the day, he knows he did right by God, and that was enough for him. You know, you can do anything you him.
1: want, and if you say, All glory to God afterwards. I mean, you did, I mean, it's all glory goes to him. And it, it, none of it was, uh, just like masturbatory
2: (laughs) at all. Yeah. I mean, just ask, uh, every sexual predator, evangelical pastor. I mean, all the ones who've been busted, they're just like, this is for God. This is God's gift to you. I'm God's gift to you. This is for like your God's gift to me. Like there's always that like creepy fucking language around it where, uh, it's not it's totally dissimilar from what you just said. <laughs> well, and like, okay,
1: so we may not know people who approach strangers that way, but we know a lot of people who approached women that they knew and young women that they knew about those topics. Yeah. To talk to them about their dress or the way they were behaving or, hey, when you bent over, I saw your back or, you know, I just want you to know that that God vows to use you more than this or whatever the line was. And that I think is less of a performance and more about control. Yeah. Like it's a, it's establishing dominance over a group of people like in your vicinity. I feel like that's part of what happened a lot in church environments and stuff is that yeah. it was, it was a leader or somebody like making it very clear that you're down here and they're up here you know, yeah. and, and doing that through humiliation.
2: And at Liberty, it was, um, they when we were at Liberty, they had, um, they would have, like if a male RA saw a woman wearing something that was uh, outside of Liberty way, their responsibility was to take it to a female RA. Um, and if there wasn't anyone in the area or they didn't know who the person was, because they weren't supposed to, they weren't supposed to approach women uh, about what they were wearing.
1: and you know that was one of those that they did in the presentation they're like all right guys you're technically you're not (laughs) supposed to but
2: wink do whatever you want to do yeah and and that's where you see the control right like you and i don't when you establish the role of ra as like also a spiritual leadership type position at a school like that uh which is what the that's what the role is there you're not just like making sure kids aren't dead on the dorm It's you're, you're, there's a spiritual hierarchy there of your RAs and then your spiritual life directors and then your prayer leaders and then everybody else. So you're, you're in charge of essentially the spirit. They basically make you a mini dorm pastor. Uh, And when that's your job and you're supposed to call out the bullshit on campus and you see a woman doing something that are dressing in a way that's not quote unquote appropriate. And you're you're not allowed to say anything to them, but you don't, you don't know who they are. So you can't go talk to a woman. Uh, you It's like, it's crunch time. And if they let this person go, no one's going to be able to tell them and hold them accountable. And then that's when like those, like, that's when I don't know what's going on. Cause it's like, it's that devotion to the rules, to a system. It might be control, uh, even though I wouldn't suggest that some of the, RA, that all of the RAs there were that type of controlling.
1: No, but there's there's definitely like a weird reverence for like rules and guidelines and formalities.
2: Yeah, like I can't let someone get away with this. Uh, that's my job to enforce rules. So they'll like, they'll go against the rules and, and then call out these women for it. And then it would probably nothing would happen because Liberty doesn't do shit about stuff like that. But I don't know, man, it, it was such a strange, like when you would hear those stories of women being like, yeah, this guy R.A. was like, Oh, your your skirt's too short, and it's just like holy shit, you're a fucking pervert. It's like the total vibe that you get from that. I don't know if they're just like, and again, that is obviously the patriarchal institution of things where, you know, they're they're so convinced, uh, I I've bought into the narrative that, and that you'll hear this Logan kid use the same language that like your bodies are worth so much more than this. it's like it's like they're doing them a favor, like they don't want them to be they don't want them to be shamed by what they're wearing and everyone's thinking terrible thoughts about you and you're lesser than and so now we have to come up with a way to shame and so it just turns into like shame in the moment and then you actually legitimately shame them for it and, and I guess it's I don't know I think they, they can't see through it there's like that patriarchal like I I have to do this it's my manly duty I value women like that's their idea of valuing women and uh I I feel like I can confidently say that they they do truly believe that uh, because I truly believe. And that's what's super dangerous about that belief system is like when when people do truly believe that, like like this Logan kid that they can go on TikTok the next day and say, look, I am standing firm on the word of God. I'm speaking the truth. If They don't want to hear it. That's on them. But I'm being true to my God and it's worth his job. Cause he got fired from his Christian construction company for it. Like that's what it, it creates that fucking <laughs> martyrdom complex because you can only be a martyr for something you sincerely believe. So they're just, they, that's it. They just like go balls to the wall on it. And
1: the other, the other thing that was funny too, is that w- that we've talked about so much is just this like constant pushing this narrative that like, you're dressing this way because you're not fulfilled. You're looking for fulfillment and you're not finding it. And you can only find that in a relationship with Jesus. And Jesus wants better for you. And Jesus can fill that hole in your heart. Like just the most broad assumptions about people. And it just it's just a continuation of that whole, like the only way to find meaning and happiness is through this right here. And I can tell because you're not doing what I view as Central to you yeah, know, yeah. living your life for Christ, I can tell that you're not fulfilled and that you're unhappy. And dude, I think you got to give uh, those women a, a pat on the back for just like feeding it back to this dude. <laughs> they yeah. hit him back hard, and it was they're like, "Why don't you gouge your fun. fucking
2: eyes out then?"
1: <laughs> oh, it was a crazy story, uh, and one that I'm sure we're gonna hear more about. God, I hope, hope so. this guy doesn't become like some mouthpiece for super yeah. like, I'll, I'll speak the truth. I don't care what you think. Conservative Christians, which he might, he might end up being like one of the
2: spokespersons. people for he might that. Might be a regular John Cooper about it. Sharing the truth in love, brother. Uh, is it possible that he'll become like, yeah, the next TikTok sensation like that? Uh, do you think that's possible? Christian think TikTok well? is
1: a real weird place. Yeah. Because you get play you get a you get a following on Christian TikTok from being ridiculous.
2: Yeah. Well he did already uh from what I can tell uh in, in the Discord uh someone shared a, a link to some like fucking slam poetry or some shit. I don't even I I, I couldn't see it. Um I don't it was like spoken word nonsense, but uh it, I every time I clicked on it, it said that the video had been changed to private. Like you couldn't, I couldn't view it. So I know I couldn't I mean, get those. He's been either. getting lit up. Also, if you check his Instagram, like every picture now has comments being like, "You fucking piece of shit." <laughs> <It's>
1: like, <laughs> shout out to our pal deconstructing purity culture for for just having the uh, the leads on this story for us. Uh, she kept the Discord hopping today. Just all the updates and she found a lot of great info about what was yeah. going on and stuff. So if you're not following deconstructing purity culture on Instagram, you should definitely go give her a follow. She shares a lot of really insightful things and uh, we, there's so much that you can rip on about this guy. Cause we didn't even talk about the fact that he posts like, like his Instagram, he posts weird Christian
2: artwork and, and then talks about talks the about word about, that Jesus gave him for it. It's yeah. Cool.
1: How Jesus spoke to him directly about what he was seeing in these like crappy, you know, waiting room art page pieces.
2: <laughs> he mimics the gospel <laughs> parable, like narratives, like, uh, mm-hmm. or it's like, you know, they tell that story. Like Jesus tells the story and then he explains what it means. It's like, he expl he tells the story. It's like, he sees the art. It's like, there's this, and this is what's happening. And then Jesus explained to me what it meant. And Jesus said, and then he goes off on like whatever he thinks it is that Jesus, like Jesus told him, I don't know. I, I, it'd be great to hear all this from him directly and what he's thinking. Uh, so we, I did want to hear,
1: <laughs> I, I want to hear from this dude. I just want to hear, I just want to get inside his brain a little bit and to uh, see what's, what's not there.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. See what, uh, the, the could be. Now, of course, we we uh, we go off here on this. Um, this episode will be coming out. Uh, I don't know. I can't remember the September dates. Yeah, but I message him. <laughs> and if he gets back to us, if he's like, well, I don't know if this is a good fit. I, not that a good fit matters to him. He knows what we're about. I wasn't disingenuous or dishonest. He's about not here to are. tailor his message or, to yeah. you. But if he does decide to... Be like, ah, maybe I'll check out the podcast and see what I'm getting into. And the first thing he's gonna hear is us just taking a giant shit on him. I don't know if he's <laughs> gonna be like, "Yeah, this is a great place for me to go and tell my piece."
1: We're definitely, uh, yeah, we're in the taking dumps
2: mood tonight, I guess. I know. What are we doing, man? <laughs> are we one of those podcasts now? I don't. Do we need to do that? A time of reflection here. Yeah, I'm gonna go repent after this. Maybe, maybe I'll go look at a piece of art until Jesus tells me exactly what it is that I did wrong tonight and what he wants to do with my life. This could, well, be, my, um, this could be my testimony.
1: I, I'm ready for you to share it. Yeah, let me know <laughs> any revelations you have.
2: All right, I'll see what comes up tonight.
1: So let's introduce our guest for this episode. Um, we talked to a guy who is a jack of all trades in the entertainment industry. Um, yeah, really impressive resume. And the more we learned about it, the more we were like, man, this guy's done a
2: little yeah, of everything. We, um, we were actually uh less aware of what the extent of his resume when we first got this thing scheduled. Uh he was what what sparked the conversation was he was part of an old like nine a band called the Dingies, a nineties, like late nineties tooth and nail band. Uh so we thought, oh, dope like we came up on tooth and nail solid state like that's if it wasn't for that record label i don't know where we would have been like that that had such an impact on our lives that we're like oh that'd be cool to get an idea from someone who um who came up in the late 90s on that label and then what that probably turned out to be a a lot smaller part of the conversation than we expected and there are so many other interesting things about him and that was really fun
1: yeah We did Christian camp stories. We talked about, uh, you know, his experiences in Hollywood. He's an actor and filmmaker director. He teaches acting classes and at the college level, uh, just a, just a cool guy with a lot, just a wild life story of, you know, all these different experiences and things like that. Obviously just a really creative person. And, yeah, we just had a great time talking to him. Like I said, you know, we didn't really understand like everything that the guy had done when we first started the episode. And as we went forward, we're like, man, this is impressive. So yeah, yeah. I think uh, I think you're going to like hearing from Scott. It just He's just a cool guy. So uh, if you're not in our Discord, again, jump in there, get in on the conversation. You can rip on this uh, uh, bikini shaman turd. <laughs> if you want to it's not too late for that um, you can find the link in any of our social media as always if you're enjoying the show we would really appreciate it if you'd share it with a friend leave us a review on itunes and uh, keep an eye on our social media feed we've been brainstorming and going over artwork and stuff like that we got some cool things coming down the pipe so
2: yeah super excited about it
1: so enjoy our conversation with scott rogers And we're back with our guest, musician, uh, director, actor, filmmaker,
0: just an all-around entertainer, Scott Rogers. How you doing, Scott? <laughs> Mr. Entertainment, they call me. I'm doing well. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, I'm doing well. How are you? How are you guys doing? Good. It sounds Hollywood. like
2: you're one of those Hollywood elites that everyone's terrified of.
0: Coastal elite, 100%. I'm a coastal elite. Well, I, <laughs> I was born and raised in Orange County, and now I live in Los Angeles, so... I'm absolutely a coastal elite. Yeah. Um, the coast is good. <laughs> the weather is good. And uh, yeah, I could go from some of that. And my politics and- are uh, beyond anything left of anything. I You know, <laughs> I'm a sort it's of tough uh, to
2: be alt-right out in there. huh? You have a hard
0: yeah, time? No. <laughs> uh, no, we got all kinds of people out here. <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing how it's like, it leans a little one way or leans a little the other way, but out here it's definitely, uh, we got all kinds for sure.
1: You know, yeah <laughs> I feel like when I was tra- I traveled a lot for work for a while, mm-hmm. and there was certain places where you would go and you'd be talking to people, and it was like nobody that you talked to was from there. They all came they were all transplants and stuff is it is that rare in l a or do you is it just dependent on where you're at? There's a lot of people who are native.
0: Is it rare that people are native
1: yeah, like yeah. you tend to run into um, a lot of people who moved in
0: yes um. Yes, that's definitely true. It it really does depend on what circles you run in, you know, like what it really does depend on what your life is. And so, yeah, if you know, if you're trying to be an actor or something like that, you go into an acting class, no one's from California, Yeah. but if you walk down the street, <laughs> tons of people are obviously LA natives. It's a, you know, insanely huge city and, you know, a good portion of people, uh, are undocumented too, you know, they're, they're They've showed up uh, from Mexico or wherever. And uh, yeah, that's the thing with LA is I love LA so much and it's just the greatest. And you, there's just things you can't do or get anywhere else, but uh, it's easy to be like, oh, okay, Kardashians and Rodeo drive and actors and, you know, like all that kind of sure. element. But beyond that is all just the, real people working every day, you know, and uh LA's Yeah. I imagine it feels sweet. pretty
2: normal for most people who live around the LA area where you just, if, especially if you're not in that industry, I don't know how, um, how broad um, the industry life of it all is, but you know, obviously it's pretty big. Um, but it feels like with New York, right? Like I feel like when mm-hmm. I'm only like three hours from New York. So um, yeah. it's like, the excitement would be anything related to NBC or like 30 rock kind of stuff like, uh, Oh, Conan O'Brien walking down the street or like that. You always expect to like see certain, like a select, like that's one of the things that you want to see if you're vacationing to New York is like a six, four. And they're there and they're all there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But it's also New York city and it's like a million things going on. Um,
2: Right. Right.
0: Yeah. But But growing up in orange County, it's, uh, a totally different world. It's like, might as well have been not anywhere near Los Angeles. You know, it's, uh, just as conservative as anywhere else. Like they call it the orange curtain, you know, because, and it's really, uh, historically very much more conservative Republican in orange County. And, uh, and wouldn't you know it? Religious and you know, evangelical, yeah. you know, like that's how I got all up in the mix. You know, just tons of that's where Harvest Crusade and all these things flourish, right? Greg Laurie and Saddleback Church, what's that guy's name? He did Obama's oh, Saddleback. You know, he did Obama's is that, uh, prayer. Is that Warren? Is that Rick Warren? Exactly. That's who I'm that's Okay, who I'm yeah. Uh, did oh, you guys Warren. ever read
2: The Purpose Driven Life? If we're going to, let's derail this a little bit. Was that?
0: Like, uh, is you know, that a book? No, but I know what you're talking yeah. about.
2: Okay, so It was that? just Rick Warren's like big book. That was like what put right. him on the map. That's what exploded Saddleback and gave him his name to fame. Or yeah. Whatever. Sounds um, awful. Yeah. The Purpose Driven, <laughs> no, Purpose Driven Life <laughs> is what it was.
3: And then, of course-
2: wouldn't you know his runner-ups were all a bunch of purpose-driven books. So it was like the purpose-driven church, the purpose-driven marriage, the yeah. whatever.
3: It was be like a, shallow fulfillment
1: horse. Horse. for dummies. Yeah.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: yeah. So
1: the way that we ended up getting connected and talking and stuff is uh, you were in a band called the dingies. That's right. Which was a early tooth and nail band. And if you were around, if you were a youth group kid in the, at, At any point in the last like 30 years, you probably listened to a bunch of tooth and nail bands. We were just kind of talking about all of the different ones. But Mm -hmm. so growing up in in Orange County, kind of walk us through that. Give us your background on, uh, on
0: growing up. Growing up. Yeah, I grew up in Anaheim. Then I moved to a city called Cyprus, which is right next to it. And never went to church, really. My grandma went consistently, but... My parents never took me or anything. And then, but I had a friend, Matt Grover, (laughs) took me to a a, a summer camp when I was like 11 or 12. And it was the whole, you know, Christian kids summer camp where it was like altar call at the end of the week and kids are crying and they're like, I'm gonna, this one kid, I remember him, he was in my cabin, like, I'm gonna read the whole Bible this year, you know? And just like, so (laughs) like, if he didn't, you know, just like all this, you know, hysteria. I wonder if I
2: was at summer camp with you. Maybe
0: I mean it's uh, Jesus. I I made a lot of those. I'll read the entire
2: Bible in a year. Pledges. I don't. Yeah, me too. It gets
1: it gets real tough to stick to it when you get to like the genealogies, which is like three chapters in. You're like so and so. We got so and so. We got so and so. So boring.
2: But it's really cool when you add up all of them in their ages, and you find out the Earth is ten thousand years old. There's a plus side if you like math. (laughs) and genealogies you can come yeah. up with some really cool theories
1: so like summer i feel like christian summer camp is just like this whole other world that
0: you either did it or you didn't because mm-hmm.
1: i that was like some of the most bizarre experiences
0: that i had growing up in uh, the church 100 yeah looking back I, I can picture the faces of the like kids that weren't as invested and like kind of in the youth group that went to the camp where they're like all right i guess i'm going to this camp and you can just see their faces they're like i guess i'm into this but like there's everyone else has really drank the kool-aid you know and i i always did have that theory at least in california all the camps you know are up higher altitude i think it's like less oxygen i swear by the end it's like it's mid somar, you know it's like uh hysterical it's (laughs) hysteria it really is hysteria you know it's like fear and like, but you're, you'll, you'll live forever. Don't worry if you just do that, you know, by the end of a week with like silly games and songs and then like, yeah. Oh gosh. It's like bringing stuff up. Right. It's like, <laughs>
3: this uh, is yeah. what you guys
0: you are doing to- all the time. Right. You know, uh, <laughs> we're all Plus kind it's of left, in. They, they keep you up
1: and active oh, so yeah. much. Like you're exhausted by the time Thursday rolls around, you're so exhausted and then they make you sit through it yet another altar call and it's like the end of the week so this one's the this is like the uh ceremony
0: at the end of uh the first
1: star wars movie (laughs) yeah
3: exactly
0: yeah yeah and it's like when to go home it's like this is your last chance man this is your last chance you know uh (laughs)
1: time to rededicate your life to christ
2: (sighs) yeah Yeah. oh i did that a couple of times but uh what was your so if you if that was you didn't really go to church and then you mm-hmm. went to the summer camp with someone, did were you finding it strange like or were uh, you familiar I, enough I with was that just, culture where it wasn't like a total mind warp
0: I think I was just young enough to where I didn't know what was strange <laughs> I think that's what happens to all of us whatever you know, it's just you know you go in, you you're raised in a different country different foods are not strange to you right and so to me I was still young enough to where And it seemed casual at first enough. And then, so it kind of just worked where they were like, by the way, this is going down, this Jesus thing, you got to like get right with them and ask them into your heart or you're going to hell. And so with someone who had no other reference for that kind of concept or having anyone be like, hey, guess what? You're okay one way or the other. I wasn't equipped with any of that. And so I, I, I felt like, it wasn't weird, I just bought in very much. I I got I was I was way in because then I was we came down the mountain and I was in the youth group, you know, and so all through junior high and I started I, I played in Christian bands in seventh and eighth grade. The first band I was in with was with two youth leaders, and the band was named Enoch's Journey. Nice.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that. And so you guys
0: <laughs> You, you get that, right? So it's like people who have that experience of like, okay, I've I'm versed in some of this, you know, this Bible stories where he walked into heaven or whatever. And it was just like looking back, so it's so funny and so cringe as they would say these days. But uh, uh and there's a funny little anecdote because when I then joined the dingies when I was like nineteen my old band enoch's journey played a show with the dingies. like they they were a band before i was in the band and they had put out their first two albums on tooth and nail but i had played a show with that enoch's journey band and then all those dingy guys had an inside joke of like what a cheesy christian band is and they like would sing these kind of funny like fake like trust in god he will save your soul, you know but they were making fun of yeah, yeah. that <laughs> band that i was then and so Years later, I joined the Dingies, and they like were like, "Oh yeah, Enoch's journey." And I was like, "Wait, what did you say?" I was in that band, and they're like, "What?" It came, it came full <laughs> we were circle. Big fans. <laughs> yeah, but but Dude, also youth that was group like was a dope. great. Uh, Sorry, go ahead.
1: It, that was like a great like Bible trivia gotcha question. It was always like, "Who is the only man to never die?" and right. Yeah, so you had to throw up. Everybody learned that Enoch. Yeah, it's to, like, and you think just it's for Jesus, it's
0: Jesus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but my, when I remember my youth group in junior high it was pretty great because there were so many hot girls there. It was just like, I was like, man, this is cool. We go to the beach every Wednesday. <laughs> These girls are so cute, man. And I'm like a <laughs> little 13-year-old guy like, okay, I'm in, you know. I, I, yeah. And I was in, but my kind of journey – with you know being a christian mixed with all that i definitely like went in and out of all of it through high school like i had there's the christian kids in in the high school and there's a big movement i think there was like a club like a christian club and and then i was but I, I'd, I'd just be in and out of it you know because like i played sports or I'd like smoke weed i smoked weed one time in high school or you know got you know drink, you know i'd be like in or out and like I'd I'd vacillate because then when I was a senior, I dated a Mormon girl and really, yeah. And we really liked each other and such, but like, and I was still looking at it through the lens of, well, she's Mormon and I'm Christian. You know, I was trying to like investigate their Jesus, you know, like their extra Jesus stories that they have. And, uh, but really I got out of high school and pretty quickly it was just kind of like, Oh, yeah, never mind. I don't know. I just feel like the world, (laughs) this sounds corny and it sounds very 40-year-old white guy, but I read the book On the Road by Jack Kerouac and just the descriptions of like, yeah, go out there, see the world, do stuff, you know, (laughs) like get drunk and like hang out. And it just like struck something in me. And in a way, I just felt like for myself personally, like the world opened up more where I was like, oh. Okay, look at all this stuff out here. There's no way <laughs> all these stories that they were trying to tell me, or like how I have to live. I just, I that's when it start. That's when it cracked for me, and I just was like, I'm out, you know. And, yeah. Uh, even even all the years of being in the dingies, because I joined the dingies, and we were already a little bit. We we're never really like Christiany, like too Christiany for that label, but. They were a little like over that scene too, but it was nice. I met them. I joined that band and yeah, we just uh, put out another, the third record the, the, called Crucial Conspiracy. And I um, got to tour around as a 19 year old kid. That was super fun. And then, uh, but yeah, straight up 9-11 happened when we came home from tour and it was just like, oh, it just didn't, no one wanted to keep pursuing it in that way. And so our lives went in different directions, but we still play music. We still put out yeah. albums, you know, and uh, it's great. Still, best. So you, friends. you
2: joined when you were nineteen. So you, when you were like out of high school, that's when you kind of shifted out. But it wasn't like obviously it wasn't a hard shift where you were like disassociated yourself from it in such a way where that was off putting. Like it was with tooth and nail, which was obviously a Christian label, right?
0: Um, yeah, it was. And- it was one of those. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was also an opportunity to play drums in a band that could make a record, you know? And I think that's really what a lot of those Christian bands, that's what's alluring is it's like, you want to try to make it in the, you know, secular music scene, you know, regular music. It's, it's harder, right? You want to go on tour, but if you get on tooth and nail, there's like a built in Christian kid, you know, scene and network where you can truly like, you can book a tour for a Christian band And you just give them every third show as a church and the church pays you a guaranteed amount of money because they have that money because they're it's for their youth ministry and they're like let's give this money to these bands and so and then so we would yeah play a church and then play some club or whatever you know in the next town and then but it was a mixture of all that yeah
1: yeah, And was there like when you were doing church shows and stuff, youth group shows, um, being that you were sort of drifting away from Christianity or you had already drifted away from it to some extent, like mm-hmm. did that ever become a point of conflict at those shows? Like, cause I remember they were like when, when I was in abandoned college, you know, you had to be on your best behavior if you were playing at a youth group.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, it, It definitely did. Uh, Well, there's, yeah, it's there's all the crazy kids that go to the shows and they're like, they go up to MXPX and they're like, why don't you talk about Jesus more in your shows? You know, and it's like, (laughs) yes, I watched that happen, you know, a few times. And then uh, you can just tell sometimes the kids come up to you, you know, quite frankly, our shows weren't as big. (laughs) And so there weren't as many people to be the kind of, crazy kids, but almost every show or uh, every other show, you know, that you get the kid who's like, wants to talk about why you're not, because we didn't preach from the stage and the lyrics aren't like Christian. And so there would be kids who are like, so serious, like, Hey, you really wanting to know why we're not, you know, witnessing on stage more. And we, it, but again, at the time, I we're think in we're, a
2: church, dude. <laughs> yeah. It's a church. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, <laughs>
3: yeah.
0: Yeah, especially church shows. But one way or the other, I think we we definitely weren't looking for fights and we weren't, you know, trying to like be like, screw you guys. We were kind of just doing what was in front of us. It was like, we wanna make an album. These people are gonna help us make an album. We wanna play shows, we'll play for anybody. And uh and also most of the people were cool, you know, and most of the other all the other bands were super chill. We went on tour with a band called Goaty Hook and band called sidewalk slam that turned into run kid run and um Ah, and they toured a bunch before me but uh you know i uh you know it was great it was like playing music every it was it still was like just an amazing experience you know traveling around in a van and playing shows and the only difference is we (laughs) peg's girlfriend at the time uh still together uh they have three kids but uh Peg is the lead singer and songwriter of the dingies. And um, we had started getting into weed a little bit. It's okay to talk about doing drugs on this po- podcast. Oh, That's yeah. Well- oh, it's encouraged. Okay, yeah. good. Uh, <laughs> I figured whatever I listen to, I'm like, of your pod, I'm like, okay, I think I'm okay here. But uh, yeah, there's you know, that, I, still, I, just- I still hesitate. I'm like, am I being a bad guy? but basically you you are ruining your testimony. I am ruining my testimony, Uh, (laughs) but that's I'll turn it around at the end. Uh, No, but uh, (laughs) Kelly used to send us like a care package, you know, three or four cities ahead and it would have a bunch of little, you know, mailed and package. And then it'd be a little Altoids box. And then inside the Altoid box would be some weed. Right. And so we'd like roll a little pinner joint. And after our shows at the, Red Roof Inn, or the, you know, uh, (laughs) we'd uh, go to the stairwell and like smoke a little weed, and like that was one. It was also we when we first really started smoking weed, and so you just get high, crazy high off of one little hit, and you're like talking all night long. But all to say, like, I mean, it was amazing experiences every night and playing with them and stuff. But, uh every you know the 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 pastors would be like here's your package and uh, i don't know i think it's kind of funny that they're handing <laughs> you us you turn the, them into drug dealers the, yeah exactly <laughs> drug Un- mules. yeah <laughs> exactly
2: it's funny yeah. how we Casey and i have talked about this a good bit uh here and there at least is um uh, the first like cause we i mean we didn't touch we didn't smoke weed until we were older um oh i forget when you did casey but i was like almost 30 um mm-hmm. So latecomer. And you do it and you're like, oh, okay, that's it. Like and you realize instantly how it's not a big deal and it's just (laughs) fun and nothing bad happens. So like but you you know, going back to you talking about that book you read, uh that I feel like probably missed like we're like only half a generation apart, but I have no idea what book you're It's like go out, see the world, get drunk.
0: Oh, on on the road by Jack Kerouac. Uh it didn't ring a bell to me. That's but I love it.
2: It's funny because there's like the, the whole like Christian narrative uh, is like, you need to stay away from these things because it's dangerous. And then like, that's how the devil gets you. And mm-hmm. it's like the language is wrong, but they're not entirely wrong because you do it and you realize, okay, this is all fine. The first time you get drunk, like when you realize getting drunk, isn't like a, you're sober and then you're drunk and then there's like a line that and it right. gets, and you don't really, and then, you cross it by accident the first time, but then you realize you had a lot of fun. And I, it's just funny the way, like it's just doing those things and having those experiences. And you're like, none of that's a big deal. Well,
3: I and know it's not the yeah. devil
2: getting you. That's you just yeah. realize it's I, but they can't see it out any other way. It's just, that's yeah. And then there's you just, in,
0: and there's no turning back. And there's everyone's version of it. You know, I know plenty of heavy or new plenty of heavy drinking Christians, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of people will hold on to a lot of it's just the feeling they want to feel like, okay, I still believe in this or I have something to believe in. And, uh, I also like drinking <laughs> and, uh, I, I don't know. I, I see people who maybe when they were younger, it was like, don't be drunk, don't get drunk. And then now they just get drunk all the time and they're like, fine with it, you know, but they just like change what's bad or, you know,
1: I don't Youth know. Youth ministry know.
0: majors.
2: Yeah. yeah. Or the, and then, but they'll yeah. draw other lines of sand. Like, I mean, I'll, sometimes they will drink a little, but you know, I, I don't smoke weed because that's different. And then yeah. they'll just put imaginary lines yeah. just to have it's, something to not cross, to feel
0: like they have those convictions to hold on to still. Man, it's honestly, it's agitating me talking about all this. <laughs> it really is. Like, I don't, it's like, I'm so far removed. I think about that too. I think about people and friends that I had who are still like, I'm in it. I go to church, and this is my deal. And thinking about who I am and where I am, all these years later, and just how different we—I really am from them, as far as how I see the world. Excuse me, see the world and experience it. Because, oh man, it's just the nitpickiness of any of those details that you're talking about. Of like, well, uh, I just—it makes my skin crawl. It really does, Um, because I just. It just doesn't make sense to me, you know, the organized religion thing anymore. I just truly don't get it. It's like, so I don't know how you're allowed. It's going to offend people, but how you're allowed to be an adult and still do this. You know, it's like, get real. Like, come on, (laughs) give me a break. Look at the world. It's really big. It's really old. It's crazy. All these religions are uh, the same. They were rewritten from other ones, the rituals, you know, and it's all well and good. And, and I'll leave, you know, I think Jesus, I love Jesus. I think he's great. I can feel the spirit, but that it's, it's the humanness of now, this means that you either are in or you're out. And if you're out, then you're, you're burning and then all this and that. And like all that stuff, all that shit is just so like, I'm so, I worked so hard for so long and I'm sure you guys can relate to this too. It's like, it really is a kind of form of recovery, right? Where it's, it's its own programming or deprogramming and yeah it's not like oh i was in a crazy sex cult or something i wasn't in nixium or whatever but i was in a lighter there's still the same techniques and the sort of mental weight that we all have to carry the guilt and the shame and you know yeah but we can do things like this
2: like where you see like where you see those techniques being utilized uh and there's the light version which might just be like you know your regular 50 person church on a sunday morning whatever but like when you look at uh, these like mega pastors who are constantly being i don't know people like christian nightmares are showcasing frequently mm-hmm. and shining a light on a right wing watch and but when you look at the cadence and you look at the setup and the performance and it's when you even look at those tactics it's like i don't know that the people i whatever they think they're doing I'm not sure it's almost impossible for me to get in the mind of a full-blown narcissist right. um but it's it all does feel very manufactured and so one of the things I'm like I'm hearing you say is like the organized religion aspect of it the when when you start drawing those lines of who's in who's out and that there's like thousands and thousands and thousands of different ways to be religious and every single one of them is just like but we nailed it and everyone else is tough luck is, is yeah. what seems so arrogant and ridiculous
0: to you yeah it's just like not just like but yeah as you're talking the metaphor of even a performer or a comedian or something like that like uh, like a certain style of music i don't uh, what am i trying to say here all i'm saying is like yeah we the he the the experience is universal That feeling where you're like, whoa, I'm opening up, and I'm around other people, and I feel my heart like connected to something bigger. And then when music happens, it's and like I'm, yeah, I want to return home to the to the pure safety. You know, like we all want that, and we all and those arenas, they all can give you a version of that. It's just it ends up becoming a brand and then it's like okay so brought to you by us you know remember that feeling that came through us which came through this religious figure which gets you into the after party that you're looking to go to you know and uh that's where we go wrong i i think you know i think it's all one thing i think we're you know i think there's the kind of just it's all happening and And then there's the human brains who are trying to put things on it. (laughs) They're trying to put ideas and order and society and all this kind of stuff and cling to it like it actually means anything or it'll ever be here once we're all kind of gone, you know? And so to me, that's the thing. And even, you know, like if I am going to be spiritual in any sense, like how can I, in my right mind, like limit it to this? To a story that excludes people if they don't know the right passcode and password and actions. You know, it's like, how can that be what an an all-knowing, all-loving consciousness <laughs> be that? You know, how can that be that? It doesn't make any sense. And so, you know, I have a I have I know one guy. He's one of my best friends, Godfather, and he is a pastor of a church in Culver City. Ruit Foster is his name. And he's like legit. He's like one of the you know, you get these people too, right? These there are obviously Christian people who are like or like Mr. Rogers or someone like that, who are, you're like, wow, you're really legit. You're the real deal, you know? And and so that's I think what always gives me pause to just totally be like, I hate all organized religion, you know, but it's it's really tough because I think they're truly Exceptions to the rule, you know
1: um, it's it's less about their religion and more like the the mechanisms of control that they employ, and I think yeah. that's where a lot of it comes from is like how do you keep your arms around a community of people without rules and you it's hard it's hard to have that kind mm-hmm. of deep connection with someone and stuff and and to to solidify their connection with the community that way rather than continually like putting artificial boundaries around their experiences and saying like, not only is that over there bad, what you're doing is good. Like you're right. And those people are wrong. And it only becomes a problem really for most people when the, when something that they appreciate and they enjoy and they want to engage in is over the lines that are drawn in the sand. You see that like, I had friends that were in like really conservative, you know, even more so than my church, uh, churches and groups and things like that. And one of the things I noticed like early on is that everybody comes up with their own version of rules based on what's important to them. So like one Mm -hmm. of my friends, uh, went to a church that was extremely strict about a whole bunch of different things, but not alcohol. (laughs) <laughs> and it's like, you look at all the different things that they were like very adamant about. And then this one thing that almost all churches agree is like a bad thing that shouldn't be engaged. In. You know, all churches of that ilk yeah, agree that alcohol's bad, right? That they were okay with. But I think that's because the leadership there liked to drink. So they came up with ways to justify that, that particular problem. But then, you know, uh, women speaking in church... That can't be. <laughs> exactly, uh, exactly. You know, women wearing pants in a, other churches, like women wearing pants or having coming into the building without a something over their hair. Like, that's a problem. It's it's all about, like, what can I be adamant about and stress that doesn't interfere with my life and
2: what I want to do? And, and yeah. these churches that had women come in with, like, the bonnets on their hair, I think that just started from a just started kink, you know, bonnet kink. I think bonnet king. they like drinking and then they had a bonnet kink. So they're like, look, you can drink. Women have to wear bonnets. I'm down. I don't see yeah. the problem here. So. Dude, look, if you're are, a
1: woman we... that consensually wears a bonnet, go for it. We we are bonnet affirming. Yes. But you know, to force someone to wear a bonnet for your king, that's where it becomes
2: a problem for me.
0: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, like uh, that made me think of Nazarene. Do you know Nazarene? It's like that. Uh, that's a big one. Yeah. Where you can't dance. You can't dance. And so I went to a a concert uh, and it's uh, at a Nazarene college close to San Diego. Christian show MXPX was playing a bunch of other bands and uh, you can't dance. You couldn't dance. It's like (laughs) you'd start like moshing or whatever. And there'd be all these guards like, stop, stop, stop. You can't like, cause that just, these Nazarenes, they're like, and no dancing, you know? And it's like, all right. You know, yeah, it's. The the (sighs) camp that I
1: went to, the pastor that kind of ran this this thing, just another like wacky guy Mm -hmm. who, you know, anybody who's volunteering to run that camp is probably nuts. You know, my dad's not going to do it. Right. (laughs) But uh, this guy was like very adamant that you shouldn't clap because clapping is giving a person the glory when you should give God the glory. So somebody would come up and sing or do a solo or play an instrument and if somebody clapped, he would get up afterwards and he'd be like, um, please refrain from clapping. Uh, we're all about giving God the glory here and not man the glory. And so I appreciate it if you wouldn't clap.
0: Why He's would someone get... He... Sorry, go he
2: ahead. Can't... He's just mad because he can't clap on beat. He's just... That's all.
0: Like this any guy, good white he... man, he can't. Uh, but why have someone perform? They're taking all the glory. Why wouldn't we just sit here and look at an empty stage and be like, go God, go, and just like know that we're giving him all glory, right? The second you step out to sing a song, what we got to look at your face, you're, you know, like that's, that's stealing, <laughs> I stealing heard, glory from the Lord.
2: There is this ba- I do not, I heard it listening to a podcast of a guy who was uh, in a, he's like in a former, a band previously, uh, years ago, Sick. probably 10 years ago, but he was, <laughs> yeah. But he was um, he mentioned playing with a band uh, that would play with their backs to the crowd because they didn't want to show their, you know, oh, it's not all about us. It's about God, which, of course, is more of a distraction than just playing normal. Uh, So I don't know. They got the reward in full, I guess. But it was. It's just like the stuff people come up with. It's
0: right. So Logic wild. is nowhere to be found with any of it. So <laughs> who cares? Everybody's
1: looking for a like their own little thing, you know. Especially
0: yeah. like young people that trying
1: stick. to start a church or grow like a small church. Yeah. Like Sam, you remember Room One Eighty? Yeah, which was attached played to the, the, the church trip. that we played a lot of shows in at at Liberty. Uh, I remember at one point the guy who was running it at the time. Was like, yeah. He goes, we're really like, we're really just challenging a lot of notions about church. And you know, I mean, one of the things that we're doing is like, we want to avoid like having this fixation on the vote on the worship band, you know, and the people leading it. So we're actually having the band set up in the back of the sanctuary, mm. you know, so it's not drawing attention. To- and I I remember even back then, like, listening to this guy, and I'm like, I I just
0: I-. <laughs> like, can I leave? I'm trying to cook thirty pounds of spaghetti in the back, sir. <laughs> now, what did you say? We played. Did you? Were you in bands too? Did you play in a band? I was. Yeah. The, so what what poison, was the band?
1: The Poison. Written. You're Oof. probably a fan.
0: <laughs> Huge. You're the, You're in that You're. That's you. Oh, you're Casey from that band. Oh my gosh. That's me. I am the Casey. Yes. I got egg on my face. I'm embarrassed. Yeah, you guys are killing it. Um, you're not gonna fanboy for the rest of the episode. <laughs> No, I'll keep it cool. I'm a professional. I'll keep it cool. I'll keep it inside. Um that's and so what kind of what kind of music? Like hard music? Like Christian metalcore? Metalcore, bro. Oh heck yeah. <laughs> what did you play? <laughs> in it? Uh I I squawked. That's what I did. I was the screamer. Oh, I bet you were He cool. would do
2: clean vocals
0: too. And everyone watching that show would be like, Well they, no one knew what podcasts were back then, but yeah, singers become podcasters, right?
3: Yeah, that's gen- yeah that seems <laughs> somebody's true. gonna listen. You're up to on the mic, it's right? It's the last you, thing I do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: I'll start. I squawked in a band. I'll squawk on a podcast. I love it. Um, that's so funny. The poison, what written? The poison written. Oh, what? And and what's the meaning behind that? Did you have a verse under it, or uh, uh, you know, it some was, bands would do that? Like Galatians I love that you're making them have this
2: conversation because we never <laughs> got into the the meaning behind the name, and that's. Yeah. Almost always worse than the actual name when you ask. Oh, uh, always, always Well, I
1: I joined the band post naming ceremony. It was okay. a couple other dudes that were in the band that had a band. In okay, high okay. But it, it has to do. It's it's abstract. It has to do with the power of words, guys. I love abstract stuff. And okay. uh, if you can follow along with with me, there, you know. Honestly, like I'm all about letting. The audience interpret the the band name as they. So feel you don't know. Pits. That's what you are
0: trying to say. You don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's not, you know. That's actually, exactly what I am trying to say. You don't have any idea. What it, what it <laughs> uh, you know, written words. Of poison, uh, it's like the poison written is everything written by man. You know, because God has written the 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 pure scripture, and so everything else is the poison written. If you want to put your, your, uh, you know, your mind into things of this world and read wild books like Jack Kerouac's legendary beat generation, uh, <laughs> novel on the road and go, Oh, that actually sounds good. Going to a jazz club at 4am and drinking and kissing a girl. <laughs> I want to do that with my life. I don't want to do this. <laughs> bullshit. Uh, the Poison Written. Yeah, you know, Sam would have read that book if Rick Warren would have written
2: it. Yeah, yeah probably. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, listen, I want to make it very clear. I didn't read The Purpose Driven Life. My mom read that book. When she I was read it to life. you? <laughs> <Out loud? laughs> that was your family devotional? Yes. <laughs> Yes, <laughs> <That's-> <laughs> like when you were you
1: were going to bed at night, and you're just in your tidy whities oh, and a dirt- oversized <laughs> you know, T-shirt, fucking my thumb, and you're sitting Indian style, Jack city
2: belt. Hey, crisscross yeah. <laughs> applesauce, asshole.
1: <laughs> Rick Warren <laughs> says, "Don't
0: touch your pee. not even to wash <laughs> it." Well, straight up, dude, my like my it's like I ended up in all you know, I came in at twelve, and then through high school you know, good old puberty starts happening. And by then I was, I'm kind of plugged in. And so I went to this other church with, because Matt Grover and some other kids and their moms were like, all right, let's send our boys to the Christian sex talk workshop. And so it was like all straight up Dr. James Dobson. Are we familiar with who this is? Boom. Oh, yeah, are oh we ever, very like much so. Having to like read and listen to his stuff where it's like, well, looking at a magazine, you know, if you use is fine, but if you use it for masturbation, then it's a sin, you know, and just all that kind of stuff. Talk about like ways to keep people, you know, plugged into your community. You just the total mind F of all that. Like, I think I'm, I'll am i never fully unravel that. And I, I, I do mean that sincerely. Um, and, Did you uh, read his puberty book,
1: uh, Preparing for Adolescence? is that what I, they were working through? It must through? have been what it's based on.
0: Yeah. Oh my, no, There it is. Right? <laughs> Holding it up <laughs> to the screen down here for a while.
3: Wow. Oh, look research. at this
1: uh, thrift store gem that April found this week.
2: Dateable. Are you? Are they? Oh, uh, oh they're gosh. using I don't know uh, They one. pronouns. That's really progressive. Yeah. That,
1: that,
3: yeah. <laughs> definitely that's, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure.
1: That's what that's about. My wife read this one. When she was hitting that age and Ugh. she was reading me a section from it, we're gonna have to do a live roast of this book. At some yeah, point. it's wild.
2: Yeah, Ugh. isn't it funny how parents, like our generation's parents, were would have been just like, Yeah, you know what? That sounds like a good idea. Your friend, because I remember you would ask kids, that was the goal. Hey, everyone, ask your friends to youth group, and then like random kids from public school would just show up. And be Mm -hmm. like, I guess this is fine. Like, this is you. I used to bring this, like, non-Christian friends of mine to Christian events. And they were like, no one's, like, put off at that point by their friends and what they're into. They just go, I'll check it out because I care about you. Like, if now, if, like, I was invited to something by somebody, I'd be like, I don't know if I'm, look, I'm not 16 anymore. We don't just do weird shit like that. But parents would be like, yeah, you know, that sounds great. Go to their youth group. All of us. Like I, I, the day that someone goes to my kids, Hey, do you want to come to my youth group? I'm going to be like,
0: yeah, what are you going to do? Oh boy.
2: Uh, do I say they can't go and make them want to go more? Do I just let them go and then have a talk about it? Like, instead Tim's it's going like, to be
1: like, can I see your curriculum? You're not going to talk about critical race theory. Are you? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, wait, that's your deal? That's your vibe, dude? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh,
2: you didn't. Oh, sorry. I probably should have clarified that from the screen. I got am that guy. And then Casey is like the extreme liberal. We're like a oh, okay. Hannity oh, and Colts.
0: Yeah, the, the odd couple. <laughs> I, I get it. Uh, that's fun. <laughs> well, I think it, for my two cents, uh, I would go with your second option, which is let them go if they want and talk to them. I, to me, it's all about talking like, I think my dad tried to talk to me at one point about it like oh you're going to that or like okay and you know me kind of being like and do you believe too dad you know yeah. like do you believe in the right thing and him being a little resistant or vague to it i remember being super threatening to me and so that can be really tough you know because like because those experiences that they're gonna go to They're trying to razzle dazzle the kids. They're trying to really wow them, right? And give them this like intense emotional, psychological experience. So then it's like dad's not, can dad compete, you know? And what they have built in, which almost, you know, it's like the Christian version of SP, which in Scientology with is a, is a suppressive person. I don't know if you know this, but yeah, like, yeah, with Scientology, but you know, it's like anyone who's going clear. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone who's not in is kind of against it. Right. Like they mm, Satan's got a hold of them a little bit or something or, you know, and so, boy, we got to either get them. We got to save them or cut them, cut them loose, you know. And uh, yeah, that's a good question because I have two little kids, you know, um, younger. I don't worry too much about it at the end of the day. Um, I I don't worry. I really don't. Um, but you never know what's going to happen but
1: what must it be like to be a parent who's never really been affiliated with a church or religion to any any extent for the most part and then all of a sudden like your kid gets invited the youth group and just it sticks like you go to the camp that like we went to you know and you Mm -hmm. your kid goes through the big altar call and ends up crying up front at the all at the you know, in front of the crowd and dedicates himself to Christ and they give him all these books to take home and read. And you, you're you just on the sidelines like, wait, what? 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 You did what? It, it's got to be insane. And there's had to be a lot of parents that went through that,
0: you know? Yeah, I think it can be any kind of reaction where it's the old like, well, at least they're not doing drugs, you know, it's like well, at least <laughs> right. they're safe, at least they're in a church and they're safe, you know, I think some parents think that, like there could be worse Until things. Until all the
2: sexual abuse allegations start coming well, out. Yeah,
0: exactly. later, well, you know, no, Maybe
2: not as safe as they once well, expected.
0: Looking exactly. at you, Australia. Yeah, looking at you, <laughs> that one dude who came to that uh, Christian camp I went to in high school and when all the guys and the the youth leader, we're all having a heart to heart about how tough it is with, to struggle with our lust. And he's like, Oh, I have a bunch of Playboy magazines in my garage and I used to look at them, but now I, I, I want to throw them away. And it, it was just, there's a weird guy Ooh. who went up to the, with, you know, it was just this odd, he slipped in a sort of half invite, you know, to check out his Playboys, you know, pre internet. Uh But, uh, yeah, it's all the oversharing all garbage, everybody. Sorry, hate to hate to break it to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
1: there's always that dude that's we like
0: can do working yeah. with the youth group and
1: simultaneously like trying to work out his own thoughts on on things. I remember that mm. guy at my youth group, and he was really nice dude, but just not quite bright, you know. Mm. And he was the first one that I ever heard talk about how dinosaurs might not be real. Maybe God put the bones there to test us and stuff. And (laughs) there was just a lot of things that he said that I'm like, at the time, I'm like, you're not. Hey, you're not fully in and you're supposed to be a teacher. Mm -hmm. It was very concerning to me. And I think he had a crush on my buddy's sister, which was especially
2: weird. Yeah. Got to watch out for the youth leaders. It can get weird fast. Um, <laughs>
3: yeah.
2: Why don't we, uh, I want to take a quick shift. Uh, I just feel like we go down this rabbit hole forever, but one of the things that came yeah. up a little bit ago is um, you know, the, the power of the structure of it uh, and the music and the way it gets you and the way they pull you in. And it's like, you can have the, cause we've had, I'm guessing all of us have had those experiences outside of church right that's why everyone knows those feelings and everyone's Mm -hmm. i feel like anyone especially people who enjoy music like going to a show or whatever like you have those moments of like almost transcendence where you're there with a bunch of people but everything around just kind of like phases out and everyone's kind of just singing along i don't know And i like i remember the first time i felt that outside of a church setting and was like oh wow this is the exact same thing the exact same mm. like that. That's not I, I realized well, then that's, like, that's not my special connection or it is. my Maybe it is a special connection to God. Right. Maybe it's not. But whatever it is, it's not exclusive to singing right. a song that has three chords and talks about Jesus coming back any day now. Like,
0: yeah, yeah, it's like going to see Paul McCartney and everyone's singing. Hey, Jude at the end. And you're like, what in the world? This is incredible. And then at the end, Paul's like, OK, you like that feeling. Here's what you got to do. You know, like you want to feel like this and not feel, remember how you're feeling terrible before. (laughs) Now you got to come up and do the altar call, you know, because (laughs) of Jesus. It's like, no, it's just, Hey Jude, you know? And that's a great feeling. And because I think that it does have to do with, uh, with like a performance, really like art and performance. and, And it's so devalued in our culture, but it's like, it is, I think, what, what, like the spiritualness of being a human being is to experience something like that what it does is it takes us out of linear time it takes us out of yeah okay it's 7 15 and then i gotta do this and i gotta cook dinner and then i gotta go to bed you're it it it, it holds you in a in a place right and in a moment and and, and that's magical quite frankly you know it, it is transcendent you are transcending the like plotting along ego mind of like, what's next, what's next, what's next, and and if you can capture someone in the moment like that, it does turn their mind off, and it does open them up. And then if you can then convince them that that beautiful feeling that is innate to human beings, but if you can convince them that it's the brand of your environment that is the supplier, then you got them. You know. And then there's just the tribalism Uh, once you're in, I think it's tribalism. You know, I think our deepest fear pretty much, you know, the core is just being abandoned and left behind, you know, and that's like, that's the core fear of any animal or human is like, I got to be part of this and everyone wants to be a part of something. And so if it's, if everyone's like, if everyone agrees that what we're doing is bitching and you have a whole network of people, that people want that, you know, you want to be part of something and that's, yeah, that's how they get you. And that, that is something that people feel who have who
2: grow up in a, a religious community um, who then leave it. You'll often hear that as a complaint. And I, that shows up in studies and polls too, is like, you know, you, you lose that, that connection to people. Uh, I, what, who did we, we talked to someone who compared it to like a bowling alley. Everyone had Dan, might have been Dan Coke, um, which was a great, yeah, like, you don't, people don't just go like join bowling leagues anymore or mm. like, there's not like a lot of community events that bring people together outside of an organized religion. So, you know, it's, you do lose a sense of community when you don't have those gathering places those, to, to go. I mean, maybe bars, but maybe you're sick of drinking and you're older and you get, You're not trying to go out and hang out at a bar till two a. Like I, there if without it, I don't how you if you move or relocate to a new area, trying to build a community is difficult. Um, So there, I mean that those settings do offer that as an advantage, and that's something people miss when they lose it. Uh, The sad part is that we're unable to, or I guess a lot of religious institutions have been unable to create spaces that allow for people to feel like they can belong, even if they don't believe everything the exact same way. Um, I don't know how exactly. you to fix that.
0: Yeah. I, it's just I,
1: community. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. And that's the thing that we always come mm-hmm. back to with the value of church, you know, even for a person who's not spiritual, which, you know, I, I really, I think, I don't think consider myself spiritual at all and you know for me especially like you know my experience like finding that sense of community is really tough and there's not many places where i've found that you know and i don't know that i ever even felt that really within the church but uh hmm. i think that's something that everybody struggles with and you know if you if you're pushed to a point eventually like You're so hungry for that, that you'll take it anywhere you can get it. I think too, not saying that everybody in the church is that by any means, but there's a lot of people that like, it's just like, finally, I have a a group of people that seems to value me and I get to be a part of Like you were saying, a a part of something bigger, you know, I mean, there's a structure and there's an infrastructure for that within organized religion that I think is really appealing if you don't go the religious route, like it's hard to find that. What are you going to do? You're going to uh, troll Shia LaBeouf on 8chan?
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and the, the flip side of all that, which is also funny, that. is that liberal churches where the belief systems aren't as stifling and that they are more accepting, they are LGBTQ affirming, they have pretty much abandoned a belief in any sort of hell, um, maybe even an afterlife entirely. And then they struggle to survive and last. So, what does that show you about what types of community people are looking for and the power of the structures that control the way you think um, mm-hmm. and the way that forces or fabricates a feeling of community? That's above my pay grade. Uh, but it's I. Hard to do without yeah, the no. rules. Yeah.
3: It, it's exactly. like you were
1: saying earlier. That's a part of what keeps it knit together is the we're right and they're wrong. And here's all the reasons why. And here, memorize these talking points. If you're ever in an argument, you can reference these and it'll get you out of a jam. You know, that's, I think that's a big part of what's up. Also, like you talked about your buddy who's a pastor and who's legitimate, you know, and I'm sure he has like a, you can sense that the guy is genuine and that he's a a leader of people in a way that draws them in, right? Wants, gets them to want to be a part of what he's building. Absolutely. But how many pastors have you ever known who were, you know, genuine or not, how many of them were good at doing that? Mm-hmm. There's a lot of them I can think of that weren't. They were kind of odd, didn't really fit in. You know, my pastor growing up was great. He's a great guy. But so many of the other ones that I, you know, had to sit through and stuff, you know, you're looking at this guy and you're like, this dude, he is so, this feels like so like cold and sterile. This guy has no connection to the world other than this building right here. Like he leaves this room and all he does is just kind of go isolate himself with his family. Yeah. Yeah. It's weird that it's like, that's that's such a, that's a
0: job. Yeah. It's, it is tough. It's weird. It's, there are times when I'm just like, I can't believe that it's a job for people. I can't believe that that's just what they got to do is just be that role, you know, just kind of talk about the, Oh, the Bible again, we're talking about, you know, it's like, uh, I got something new to say about it again. I've been thinking about, you know, it's like, what, what even is that? You know, why, 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 why are we talking listening to this dude every week? Like, Why is what he thought of when he read Galatians this week so much, you know, why do I have to sit here and listen to you? Because I have a job or something, you know, and then like your job is to read the Bible and tell me about it. So I feel all right. You know, Uh, it's... uh, it's a wild yeah, job. Yeah, the
2: age of information has done pastors a bit dirty because you're like, I can just go online and listen to sermons now. Yeah, well, yeah,
0: yeah. literally.
1: Like, what did you do the other six days? Did you spend six days on this football analogy?
0: <laughs> they, go to, they go to lunch and they talk to people. I I, I see them around. I see these pastors. Yeah,
2: praying well, it, over their it, meals. Well, it's yeah, interesting, it's like because uh, when I started getting
0: into acting, that is its own version of like church. Like it really is it's, it's in a room, it's together. It's, it's, it has a, an emotional, psychological bonding, you know, experience. And there's usually the, you know, obviously the teacher is kind of the pastor and depending on the, like, cause I teach, I teach, I teach, you know, I, I've taught acting before. I right now I, I teach feature film writing and been doing it consistently. Oh, cool. Yeah. Almost, uh, consistently over the last year. And so it's really built up a lot, you know, mostly online because of COVID obviously, but even that there's a community being built and I, and I, and you can really see the similar elements where it's like people who are, they want to connect. People want to connect. People want to have a network of people that are on the same page as them. And they feel like there's so many good things that can happen, whether it's just for your life and your community, and you have a place for your kids to go play and you can trust the other parents, or if it's, you know, like I want to be a filmmaker and I want to be around people who can like help support me and be there for me. And it it does all, any of that stuff does very similar things to uh, what a church does, you know, or even AA, you know, 12 step programs. Like uh, not that I've, would admit to anything, uh, but, uh, <clears throat> and it's an anonymous program, but uh, I have, exp- you know, I, I, I've sat in on some meetings and uh, through the years and I'll tell you, that's what I always wanted church to be. It's about like a higher power. It's about like connecting to something bigger and it's about service. And one day at a time, it's about helping other people, listening, trying your best and like anyone's definition of what a higher power or God is is okay. You know, it can be oh, I made up a you know, an elephant god in my head, a butterfly god, uh, or Jesus or whatever. It's just the like that really is what I think. It's like a non-denominational kind of spiritual kind of just like human helping experience is like the idea behind it where it's like people yes. can come if they need to connect, they need help, they need to talk and like there's no judgment and you don't have to pay them any money, you know?
2: Yeah. There's grace and compassion for people who exactly. slip up and you yeah. just start over. And you have that encouragement right exactly. the next day, you know? Exactly.
1: what's it, You know, you think about it and like all of those different things, even like acting, the like creating a space for people to feel comfortable being vulnerable is like a mm. huge part of that. Yeah. You know? Absolutely. It's not only are you are you trusting people enough to 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 be vulnerable with them but like you're entrusted with that responsibility for for them too you know they're being vulnerable with you and that creates like a a, a real connection cuz i mean that's you know you think about like the difference between the people that you know that are acquaintances or like work friends and the people who are like your actual friends a big part of that is just who have you allowed yourself to be vulnerable with? Like how many of the, who, which of those people knows, you know, some of the things that you struggle with or, or like your long-term goals and stuff like that. And who do you know those things about? And that to me is like a, a big line in the sand. I got a ton of acquaintances and stuff like that and like work friends and things, but I've got a very small group of people that I've actually, like, shared stuff about me with, you know? Yeah. And it seems like, you know, even acting, like, acting, you have to be vulnerable to be good
0: at it, I would imagine, right? Uh, ideally, yeah, ideally. Unless you're The Rock, you know? Um, <laughs> or Tom Cruise. Are we calling him
1: a good actor now?
0: <laughs> uh, you didn't say good actor, you just said actor. Um, no, Successful. I, I, I love The Rock. I think he's... Just so cool and look at him go. And uh, Tom Cruise too. But Tom Cruise has a thing where he won't say help. He'll never say the line help in a movie. How about that? Really? Because he doesn't wanna be that vulnerable. That's like part of his brand and his persona. Like he has certain things that he will do and he will not do. Like that's how dialed in the brand of Tom Cruise is. And I think it's similar for The Rock. Like The Rock will never do a sex scene. Um, Really? He's never done one and will never do one. Maybe like a kiss or something, but like, I, I don't know. I, I, you hear these things, you know, people are like, these are some of the rules for these actors, but uh, it's because they don't want to look vulnerable because they want to appeal to be, a, you know, people or seem like the tough guy. But yes, back to what you, your question, what you said, I think, yeah, like being vulnerable or open or feeling and yeah, that that's the whole name of the game is to kind of like let other people in you know, to your experience, which is albeit made up <laughs> you know, that's that's what the that's the conceit of the art form, I guess. But uh uh it's... You know what
1: role I'm waiting for the rock to do.
0: What? I, I wanna see the I'll I'll start
1: calling the rock a good actor when he uh does like a machinist, the pianist sort of role Ooh. where he has to lose like Ooh. He has to exactly. slim down to
0: eighty pounds, you know, like Christian Bale style. <laughs> Freaking sweet! Uh, I I saw his list of like what he does every day. It's like
2: oh, it's insane. It's like, like up
0: four fifteen, cold shower, uh, eat smoothie, workout, do this, second shower at seven p.m You know, it's it's uh, it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. He seems like a really nice guy. He does. I feel like.
2: The world you're talking about, yeah, I do some acting, you know, did some like uh, you said you teach uh, screenwriting.
3: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: Like all of that sounds very mysterious to people who have no idea what like that world is like. And no one knows how to uh, even set foot in that industry. Like how did you get
0: guys like you in Wichita?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Not a lot
0: of guys (laughs) like me in Wichita. (laughs) We're into things like, uh, you know, corn. Yeah. Yeah,
2: I and mean, you do auto parts.
0: It, well, well, it <laughs> would be, and it would be like the equal amount of mystery going both ways. Like to me, it's like, whoa, you just yeah. you do corn every day. Like, what's going on you here? You just okay. do corn. Um,
2: um, so, how'd so, you even get in? For, just to start us off, how'd you even get into that world? Um, when you realize that's the world you want to get into?
0: Yeah, I, I think being from Orange County has something to do with it. Just by being distance wise, like oh, L.A. is right up there, and so somehow yeah. it feels like closer. But I, yeah, I I never. My parents were like pretty young parents. They had me when they were like twenty one, twenty two, and so all just to say, like they were they they're. I, I love my parents, and uh, they did a you know a good job, or they did their best, uh, but uh, they weren't hip to let's see what this kid is into and and let him gravitate towards things. It was more just like, you're going to be a baseball player and do it. And, and so it was never like an option. I wasn't like a kid who was like, I've got to sing. And, you know, it wasn't, Yeah, <laughs> I love playing sports. And so it didn't occur to me, but I think it just, as I grew up, I became a person who just was like social and into different stuff. And then I liked music. Music was like my first way in. I think that's sort of, adjacent because it's performance and you know and uh and i just again like out of high school it's like after the it's funny because the band i was like i don't know what i'm doing after high school and then i joined the band we toured for a while and came home and then it was like okay what do i do i'm back at my parents house and there's a junior college across the street i really just took an acting class because it was monday through thursday it was a summer summer session class i remember with janine crystal i wonder if she's still out i should look her up uh it was at 11 a.m so in my head i was like this will get me up before noon and i've i've always had a thought it might be fun to give it a whirl you know try acting and then when i took the class i just kind of as they say caught the bug you know i was just like this is fun so yeah i was taking this class and just and the teachers were so passionate and i just hadn't been around people like that like my family, people I knew were just so like middle of the road, don't get too emotional. And I think I uh, just was like, man, I could like yell and do all this wild stuff in acting class. And I just had nothing else that I wanted to do or was passionate about. And so I did all the plays and took all the classes at that junior college for a few years and then didn't want to go to proper college and take math classes. And so I just moved up to LA Again, because I'm closer, you know, and just started hacking it out, and I've just really kind of found my way, and so, and I'm just this kind of person, like it's I'm someone who does a bunch of different things. That's yeah, it's like I I, just, I made that this album over the past year, and then I just shot a short film, and then I'm about to shoot a feature film, and uh, teaching writing, acting, whatever, and so I'm, it, it allows me to do those different things. Um, but I don't know. I think it just sort of, I I had the space, you know, my parents didn't necessarily like encourage me or give me direction in this, in this, in this direction in my life, but they gave me the space to kind of figure it out. And I think having the space to figure it out. And even if I stumbled, Oh, you know, a, a lot, I still was able to just kind of find myself more, you know, and, uh, and so, yeah. And so, and it's funny to hear you say, "Oh, it seems so mysterious, or it's not, not normally what people do in Wichita or wherever." But uh, <laughs> um, it is just, uh, yeah, it is different. It is different. Um, this kind of work, but it's also much more similar than I think people think. My wife is from outside of Pittsburgh, and I was talking to her dad and brother, and it's like you remind them that, like on a movie, there's Carpenters and electricians and truck drivers and cooks, you know, it's most the people are just people, you know, it's only the the actors and the directors and the writers, producers, there's that. And that's what you think of. But what makes these things happen is the same as any town, you know, and that goes back to what I was saying earlier of a lot of L.A. is just regular people. You know, and a lot of the locals are people who are either just regular ass people, you know, or they're like, oh, my grandpa was a a grip and we've just been here ever since. You know, we've been here for generations, but uh, it is just it's it's just like anything else except for. Yeah, it's totally different because what I do, I think what would uh, be funny about me and a guy who works in corn uh, talking to each other is like my job is really is like em- feeling it's like emotion and story like story is like feeling and human truth in the form of a story right that's the ideal of what you're trying to do is like give someone this elevated uh, experience and uh the person who works in corn that's not the that's not what their occupation is. That's not the, sure, yeah. the, you know, the tools of their trade. It's, it's physical to do it. And so, yeah, it would seem very different, but uh there's a famous acting teacher named Sanford Meisner. And he, he said, acting is easy. It just takes 20 years how to learn 20 years to learn how to do it. And I guess I thought of that just now because it's hard to say sometimes because it, it is so normal to me. It is just like, how how I relate to the world and and I've just doubled down on it and so I just like anyone learns how to make a table really well I'm a crafts person I'm a craftsman but my craft is telling stories through you know moving pictures and uh, and music and stuff you know
3: yeah to be That's clear really cool,
0: right? I mean you
1: can feel corn it is ribbed you can put it wherever you want. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Wow. You, okay. (laughs) You went far within that one run. It started with, you can feel it ribbed. You can put it anywhere you want. (laughs) I wouldn't do that. My wife is a, a a physician. I think they just changed it to physician associate, a PA. It's basically like a doctor, but you do two years of medical school instead of four. So you don't specialize. It's like a nurse practitioner. I don't know if you, whatever. Uh, Yeah. Okay. She, uh, but first of all, having a wife that doesn't do anything like I do, you know, um you, we you know she's the corn worker in our family uh but but uh <laughs> saying you can put corn anywhere you want, talking to someone in the medical profession, uh if they've ever worked an e r shift uh you don't a lot of stuff you think you can stick anywhere you can't so <laughs> Has I, she ever tugged an ear out of somebody?
3: Not an ear. She ever had
0: to shuck a person? No, but I think like any ER doctor you talk to, they they straight up are like, people stop putting stuff in your butt, okay? Like yeah. all the time it's happening, and it's like they can tell because they like person walks in all shy and stuff, you know. Yeah. No. <laughs> like I was, their uh, yeah. I was yeah well, gardening
1: I, and I fell yeah yeah
2: and <laughs>
3: so well, I slipped it, in
2: my it, bathtub.
0: Well, let me just say before we get past this, because I, I, I don't, I definitely don't want to come off like I work with the emotional, you know, blah, you know, and this corn worker is not that. Like, obviously, someone's experience of life or how they relate to it or whatever, you know, the the art within their life or it is different for everybody, and there's just as many like kind of narcissistic emotionally stunted people that work in my industry as there are in any other industry, you know, maybe more so they're just the megalomaniac types, you know? And so it's not like, yeah, somehow the creative realm is where all the great soft, emotional intelligence people are. And then everyone else is just sort of grunting and working on corn and machinery. Like I definitely (laughs) don't think that at all. Um, I just think, it's always been like this. It's back to the concept of a tribe or a community. We long for community because people are made differently and people are made to go in groups because there are people like past, you know, like me, I think why I hate pastors so much is because I kind of am a pastor and mm-hmm. like, like truly like now I have all these students and like, I'm the one like organizing this community. And then you're, it's like, I'm the kind of, centerpiece of this thing right and i'm just not selling them jesus i'm selling them you can make your own movies and let's do it you know and uh but all to say the community yeah sometimes it's practical what you get from community but it's also energetic like there's the funny person there's the quiet person there's the timid person there's the outspoken person and they're all gonna be in the in the group you know if we have a community because we are built different like one person needs to be the accountant because they're good with numbers naturally. And the next person, you know, that's not me. I'm the person who can like kind of blab and joke around. And, you know, unfortunately that is a position that's needed and, uh, or fortunately for me, you know, but, uh, yeah,
2: yeah. definitely. And all the people like the shy one and the timid one, the outgoing one, I feel like to some degree, if uh, my youth group experience taught me anything is that everyone kind of wants to be a little bit of other types of people. (laughs) Mm. And it takes like a whole uh,
1: variety, you know, like everybody's playing a unique role in that community. And that's, that's a good thing. That's one of the things that like my wife always talks about is like everything that you hear from, you know, the motivational things and stuff. It's like, you need to be a leader you need to you need to stand up and 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 take ownership and be a leader in your group or whatever and stuff and not everybody's meant to be a leader, and a lot of people don't want to be a leader and that's okay like that is a valid path too absolutely and, and I think that uh you know sometimes you just put so much emphasis on certain roles within those communities and stuff, and it's mm-hmm. like they're not any more or less
0: important in a lot of cases than some of the others. Yeah. Cause people do have natural tendencies and dispositions and skills, you know, and I, th- and they're not always utilized. Yeah. Out of some pressure that yeah, everyone's supposed to be a freaking leader or whatever. It's like when I directed the first movie, uh, the feature film I directed, that was a real aha moment for me where I was like, I really love this job. But then I talked to the costume designer or who else, whoever, And they're like, man, I'd never want to do your job. You know, like they would hate to be the director because they love doing the costume design. And that's what, that's their realm. And that's because, and you learn that a lot as a director because you're the one carrying the torch from the start to finish is you working with uh, technicians all along the way. This person just does sound. This person just does a camera. This person just acts. This person does the, you know, the clothing. This person does the make, you know everyone's doing their one thing. And that's exactly what it is. And then you need, you know, the person to kind of carry the project through all those phases. Um, is there some uh, some movies and TV shows, or you know, some of the projects that you've done that that we would recognize? Um, let's see. What have I done before? I, as an actor, I popped up in a couple things. I was. I had a couple lines, you know, the show key and peel. Do you know that show? Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, there's a sketch called office homophobe where, uh,
3: (laughs) yes, I have seen that one. I
0: walk in at the end and, uh, I give Jordan a kiss and it's like, Hey, this is my boyfriend Gavin. And then we just, I'm like, Hey, how's it going? Walk away. Yeah. Uh, I've seen
1: that
2: that
0: sketch. That's a great sketch too. Oh yeah. Great sketch. Great sketch. Those guys are great. Um, yeah, my best friend is uh, Colton Dunn. He lives across the street from me, um, and uh, he was a writer on that show all the seasons. Um, he's oh, that's a, cool! Yeah, he's a, What else have I done? I was in uh, the P.T. Anderson movie, The Master, um, but I was oh. I was cut out of it. I shot for five days. Um, I just I sang a song and uh, played a drum, and uh, it's in. You can see me in the outtakes, but uh, that was a huge thing for me because P.T. Anderson's my favorite. Philip Seymour Hoffman my favorite. And, that was uh, one of his final like works, wasn't it? Yeah. Philip so Hoffman. I, I got to get all dressed up in fifties stuff and, uh, be on set for five days and watch them make that movie. It was pretty incredible. Amy That's Adams really was cool. there. Joaquin Phoenix was like walking around the outside, Laura Dern. It's pretty incredible. Um, but what else have I done? You know, I've done a lot of indie stuff. Like the, I, I made an indie feature film called the dramatics. Um, and that's on Amazon prime currently. And then, I mean, I popped up in a few shows, you know, uh, I was on Reno nine one one. I was on uh nice, you know, a couple other shows yeah. here, here and there, but yeah, in general, I, I, uh, and especially these days, I, I, I'm a little more behind the scenes. I help a lot of people like write and develop their stuff. And, uh, so I stopped auditioning as much, but I still, you know, making my own projects and uh, and this and that, but uh, that's cool. so. I
1: listen to so many podcasts that mm-hmm. are LA, like hosted by la based comedians since it's kind of like like who? comedy mecca. Yeah. Oh, there's so many. Like, uh, well, Joe Rogan up until recently, Bobby <laughs> okay. Lee, Andrew uh-huh. Santino, a bunch of those guys. Mm-hmm. Is that? Have you ever? Is there any party that's ever wanted to do stand-up or is that just like a whole separate
0: lane? Well, it's kind of its own separate lane, but it is the lane right next to the lane that I was in. Because like, my thing is, uh, when I was in LA, bumping around, doing some acting stuff, I started doing improv. And once I started doing improv, I was like, oh, I want to go to UCB. Uh, And UCB, Upright Citizens Brigade, had just opened in LA. So I used to go to see ASCAT every week and i was like these guys are the best i want to get in here and so i got into ucb and then did that for years and was on like the house teams and uh you know uh yeah it was like a big and it still is a big part of my like network and uh, community and uh, creative identity but uh i and i did a one man one person show i've i've done stuff on my own but i never really committed to stand up and uh it's kind of a regret of mine. Not that it's too late, but now that I see, I have friends that are standups and they do well. And there's something that, that I never thought of, but I see it's so clear now Stand-ups, What's great about becoming a stand-up is like, yes, if you just put in the years to try to get better, like if you get pretty good, you're your own thing and you yeah. can get paid to do it more. You can, you can do the gigs and travel and stuff. Whereas like do an improv and sketch, you can either get on SNL or, you know, like, and there's some paid stuff, but like, it's like, okay, I'll be funny. Just wait till I start talking to this person. You know, it's like, you you can't take yourself somewhere. You know, I'm, I have a, yeah, it was just yesterday I was hanging out with my friend and he's a, a very successful comedian. And I just, I, I envy it in a way because actors You see, because when you see a stand-up on a TV show, it's like, man, that guy's making the money that that other actor's making. And then when they rap, they're going to do a show, and they get paid (laughs) again. (laughs) They do like five shows at the Brea Improv, and then they get to come back to set. And so it's like, one, you can control your fate a little bit more, and you. It's also the ultimate art form of just a person and a microphone. You know, there's something just. So pretty, pretty wild about that. I still flirt with like, maybe I. it's not too late for me. Cause I've done, I have been in that next lane and I'm like, I wonder what credits transfer, you know, some are going to transfer, some are not going to transfer, you know, being used to being on stage and talking, you know, a lot of things transfer, but you know, there's, it's its own art form. And so, but it's tough to be a 40 year old guy with two little kids and, hacking at all the stuff I do to be like, you know what I should do? Yeah. <laughs> Let me start this whole new craft, you know, cause that's, I mean, look at me, that's what I said already, where right? it's like, I'll make an album now and now I'll make another movie. And then I'll try to, do you know, it's like, I'm already not doing this Hollywood thing the way you're supposed to do, which is do one thing in a really specific way. So people can know what that thing is and then cast you as that thing. And then once you're in, maybe you can do some other stuff. But like I think I've always just I never had any thought or guidance of what to do. And I've just been like, Yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman or Daniel Day Lewis, you know, these people who are like shapeshifters and starting and stopping. I, I like and I like look up to them and so I think I uh, I've been a little all over the place. Um As you can tell by how I talk, you know, I'm a little all over the place sometimes. Um, I'm
1: fascinated by that world. Like all these comedians talk about the comedy store. And Mm -hmm. so I got stuck in LA for a night on my way back from China. And I was like, Hey man, you want to go to the comedy store? Like, what's that? I'm like, I don't know, but I've heard so much about it. Like, Mm -hmm. I just want to go see it. And, And so we went and sat there and watched like all these people that, you know, I had listened to before or saw in movies and stuff, get up and do their thing. And it was, it was so much fun.
0: Yeah. It, it And that's, that's a big part of the allure of being in Los Angeles. Like it is tough to leave. Like it's, you get tempted with it all the time where everyone's like, uh, it's cheaper elsewhere. I could get a house, etc. But there is something about just the, you know, the culture, the people that are like, who, who's going to be, at the comedy store tonight. Who's gonna be over here tonight? Like you are you you are closer to a more you know, some prominent you know performers and stuff, you know. But yeah, the comedy store is there's a whole documentary about the comedy store that just came out. Um I heard that. I haven't watched it yet. But uh I've sat in there a few times. Um yeah comedy store is uh pretty sweet. So
3: <laughs> but yeah, you, yeah
2: uh- sorry, go ahead. You know, you you mentioned your album a couple of times. I just wanted to give you a chance to let the listeners know what you're still doing, dabbling in musically. Yeah,
0: for sure. Sh- so yeah, I made an album. I uh, when the quarantine happened, we're all at home, and my mother in law was living with us at the time, and so it made for a crowded apartment. And because uh, there's our two little kids in our two bedroom apartment with my mother in law too, and our dog and but we had a back garage. And so I kind of just was, it gave me somewhere to go and she so would like watch the kids. And so I had some free time and we were locked down. I couldn't go anywhere. And I just started recording some songs on my own, just with a couple mics on GarageBand on my laptop and demoing ideas. Because I never even considered myself a formal singer-songwriter or anything. Still don't. But I started making songs the way that I had an instinct uh, to do it, which is just to start going and so um two or three of the songs on the album i had written previously but the others came out of this process of just playing the drums and recording it and then just coming up with music you know none of it was premeditated it was just like a feeling and so uh i'm really proud of the album because it feels like me and i think because a lot of it did come out of this uh yeah, like I said, you know, like not a process of really thinking about it, not premeditated. And so, um it's a it's called Dead Drummer Friends. This is the name of the that's the moniker, you know, of the project and the album's called Hit Machine. It's on Spotify, Bandcamp if you want to support it, you go on Bandcamp and you can like buy the digital album or I've got a few CDs <laughs> uh, if you want to buy a CD. And uh, but yeah, it's like... You didn't do cassette tapes? A lot of people are no, doing cassette tapes. No, they're great. Uh, I might. And I might do vinyl still. I just did CDs to start because they're so, so cheap. You can get 100 for for $100, you know? And so and they look cool and whatever. Some people are into it and uh, it's all good. Uh, cassettes would be dope. I think someday I'll, I'll do some cassettes for sure. Um, but uh, let's see. Uh, yeah, so the music is... It's like, people tell me it's like punk, funk, uh, like garage, soul, kind of like someone told me Fugazi meets some Afrobeat music. Like it's, it has all those influences. So it's like garage and soul and little talking heads, a little, you know, uh, LCD sound system, you know, different things kind of sprinkled in there. And so, um, yeah, it's available wherever, if you look that up. The name Dead Drummer Friends, uh, I used to be in another band called the Cotillionaires, and uh, my my buddy Gian Molina was the drummer in that band, and he passed away. And uh, after that, another friend in another band, uh, Harris—you might even speaking of comedians—Harris Whittles was his name, and uh, yeah. yeah, he uh, was a good pal of mine. And he uh,
2: no way, wow,
0: yeah. And so he passed, and uh,
2: that rocked the comedy world. I mean, just because you yeah. know, I listened to a good bit of. Yeah. Harris. Uh, so too. And that, that was a, I heard that name a lot for a while. Yeah, he's the happened.
0: best. He, he was so great. Um, and obviously still all those podcasts he did and, you know, a bunch of stuff of his is still out there. But yeah, he was, uh, cause like my best friend, one of my best friends is Michael Cassidy, who's in don't stop or will die, uh, with him and, and Paul rust and, uh, and Harris and I were drum buddies, you know, and we do shows at UCB. We all used to hang out and, wow. and, uh, Yeah, a little kind of sad tidbit is uh, my friend got married and we each played a song. So I played drums backing him up. And then Harris used my drums to to back up my friend's wife. And uh, that was the last drum set he ever played was my drum set Uh, because he died like three days later or something, four days later. Oh, my God. Very, very sad. Um, But yeah, all to say uh, that name came from that um you know just uh, a couple of close friends of mine cuz i'm a drummer too and so like and you know, i play other instruments and a drummer who wants to play other instruments needs other drummers sometimes and uh <clears throat> i i luckily have uh, more friends who are still with us and uh... oh and so the thing i'll plug last thing with the album is uh Uh, I mean, follow me on Instagram. I'm I'm Mr. Scott Rogers, M-I-S-T-E-R, Scott, and then R-O-D-G-E-R-S. And uh, just kind of look me up because the end of October, I'm going to do a live streaming concert through Highland Park TV. It's this cool old public access TV studio, and they shoot it like old school with the funny fades and it's close to Halloween. I think we might all dress up, but I'm getting a band together because the album is all me, except for the keys and the horns. I, I play all the instruments and sing, all, and, and but I'm going to put a band together and uh, do like a live streaming uh, concert. So maybe we'll dress up and you know, nice. Well, yeah, that thanks. sounds cool, man. Yeah. Well, and I teach Scott. writing. The other, let me plug this quick, just if I need students. You're good. www.scottrogers.work I teach feature film writing and uh, you know, if you want to write a, write a movie, um, hit me up.
2: Sounds good. And you can find, I'm sure your website has uh, some of your other work on it that you've done. If people want to check that out too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool.
3: cool. I'm around Man,
2: Scott. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. This is a lot of, of course. Fun. I really it appreciate day it.
0: Daycare. I really appreciate it. It's now I'm all like, what don't I know? You know, what don't I know about the poison written? Like what don't look, what are some songs? <laughs> What are some song titles? What are, you know, I mean, I'm uh they probably had really long fun silly
2: song titles too something. Yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, Caskets Concealing
0: Empires was our our Whoa. our big hit if you
3: <laughs>
0: Thank you. That was worth it. That was worth the yeah. last push. Yeah. Caskets Concealing <laughs> yeah. Empires. Oh gosh. I hope our MySpace gets some hits out of this. <laughs> I love <It's> some <laughs> extra downloads. It's just such so epic and poetic and you just are like Let's go to the youth group room and fricking do our concert, man!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Spaghetti it. social metalcore—that's Metalcore. Uh, a that was our brand. Sp- I love it. <laughs> All, All right. right, well, thanks everybody for listening, and we will see you next time.